and encouraged and blessed tonight, even through the preaching of your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Singing all of your promises will not go with me. All your promises will not go with me. Come on, clap your hands. Let's praise him tonight. Oh, yes. Sing, I surrender my life. I surrender my life to your ways. I have learned what it means to obey. Jesus, my heart has been changed by you. I am walking the path you've made. I am seeking the truth every day, yes. Jesus, my heart has been changed by you. Oh, I couldn't walk away if I tried. Cause your love is better than life with the sun shining bright and it just won't set. Your love is alive and it lights my step. My heart is amazed every day to the next. Your joy overtakes and I can't forget about it. Oh, 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 I can't forget about it. Oh, 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 I can't forget about it. Yes. For we worship you, God. Sing, I surrender my life. I surrender my life to your ways. I have learned what it means to obey. But Jesus, my heart has been changed by you. I am walking the path you've made. I am seeking the truth every day, yes. Jesus, my heart has been changed by you, yeah. Couldn't walk away if I tried. Cause your love is better than life with the sun shining bright and it just won't set. Your love is alive and it lights my step. My heart is amazed every day to the next. Your joy overtakes and I can't forget about it. Whoa, 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 I can't forget about it. Whoa, 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 I can't forget about it. Oh, Jesus, seeing all of your promises. Seeing all of your promises won't let go of me. All your promises won't let go All of your promises won't let go of me. Singing all of your promises won't let go of me. All your promises won't let go. Singing all of your promises won't let go of me. With the sun shining bright and it just won't set. Your love is alive and it lights my step. My heart is amazed every day to the next. Your joy overtakes and I can't forget about it. Oh, 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 I can't forget about it. Whoa, 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 I can't for singing all of your promises won't let go of me. Come on, sing all now. Singing all of your promises won't let go of me. Singing all of your promises won't let go of me. Singing all of your promises won't let go of me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise God. Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God. We're not going to let any of this stop us. No, we're not. No, we're not. Sing it with me. 
sing. We're going to shout forever. We're going to dance forever. We're going to sing forever to our God. Oh, we're going to shout forever. We're going to dance forever. We're going to sing forever to our God. Oh, we're going to dance and shout for you. We're going to tell the world your truth, that you are God, the only Savior, yeah. We're going to tell the world your truth. We're going to tell the world your truth, because you are God, yeah. We're going to shout forever. We're going to dance forever. We're going to sing forever to our God, oh. We're going to shout forever, we're going to dance forever, we're going to sing forever to our God, Nothing can stop or hold us down, no one can take away your crown, you are God, only Savior. We're going to tear down walls of shame, we're going to tear down walls of pain, we understand your love won't change, oh. We're gonna shout forever, we're gonna dance forever, we're gonna sing forever to our God, oh. We're gonna shout forever, we're gonna dance forever, we're gonna sing forever to our God, sing forever, forever. Forever we'll sing, oh, forever, forever, forever we'll sing, yes, forever, forever we'll sing, forever, forever we'll sing, we're gonna shout, hey, forever, we're gonna dance, forever, we're gonna sing, forever to our God, oh, We're gonna dance forever. We're gonna sing forever to our God. Oh, yeah. Oh. Lord, we worship you, God. Sing forever. Forever we'll sing forever. Forever we'll sing.
situations, Father, that you would work in families, that you would work in bodies, that you'd work in finances, that you'd work in situations that seem so impossible. You are a loving Father who has good gifts for his children, Lord, and we just pray that down over those standing on the sides of us tonight. I thank you for this house. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the unity that you've put within us. Father, I pray for an increase in love and commitment one to another. Father, I pray that we would be a reflection, Lord, of your principles, of your of your glory, Lord, and of the way you want man to treat one another. Father, I pray heaven to come down tonight among us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout tonight. Thank you, Jesus. You can greet someone in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.
I don't think the rapture happened, even though we are kind of few in number tonight. Uh, I think it's just that we got sun. Amen? Isn't it great to have a little bit of sun? Well, if it's your first time visiting with us, we're just going to greet you in the name of the Lord. Can you raise up your hand? We're just going to do it in faith. I think we know everybody in here, but let's just raise our hands up and (laughs) believe God that this place will be full. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there are some new people over here. All right, praise God. Let's just give them a warm KC welcome. One, two, three. God bless you, and welcome to KC. A lot of exciting things going on, and um, I encourage you to get a bulletin. We have some out at the iDesk out there. If you need one, you can see Tammy, Sister Tammy back there. Don't miss this uh, Tuesday. Brother Barry is going to be preaching. And Pastor, as you know, many of you know, has gone to Maui to go to our annual prophetic conference. It is the first conference in 14 years that I've missed. And I'm praising God because I get to sit back and enjoy autumn here, the short season of autumn. (coughs) Amen? It'll be my first one in four years that I've stayed to see. Uh, We have a real membership class. If you're not a member and you'd like to find out how we got so crazy and find out more about our church, uh, that'll be on Friday, September 17th. It's a few weeks down the road, but make sure you sign up at the Go Desk back there, the iDesk. And next Sunday, you don't want to miss Pastor Mark Swifel. He'll be preaching, moves in a strong prophetic gift. He'll be here for all three services next week. Lots of exciting things. Grab a bulletin. And you can find out more. Amen? And uh, we're going to take our daily seed right now. And our daily seed is not a debt that we owe, but a seed that we sow. And we sow seed into the good soil of King's Cathedral and Chapels. Right now, our churches from all over the nations are beginning to amass on Maui. 62 different churches and expanding and we're hoping, of course, for the vision of the 12-12-12 to be um, fulfilled by the end of this year. And you all know what that is? Yeah, it's uh, 12 more churches internationally, 12 more churches in the lower 48 or the mainland, and 12 more churches in the island of Hawaii, islands of Hawaii. So if you want to give tonight, you can raise your hand up and the ushers will give you an envelope. Just go like that. Anybody been to the fair yet? I didn't even know it started. I heard somebody say that if you have a $100 bill and you just throw it on the ground, that's what it's like when you go to the fair, just like throwing away money. (laughs) Amen. Well, that's not what happens when you throw your $100 bill in there. Amen. (laughs) It grew, it's. Gets a yeah a harvest. You get a harvest from that, but not at the fair. <laughs> Just maybe a harvest in your gut line <laughs> when you pray for crop failure. All right, <laughs> let's just stand up and reach our hands out towards our community. Praise God. If you ever have a chance to actually go to one of the conferences in Maui, um, might be the only time you ever get to go or whatever. But I. I encourage it because you get to see that you are not, we are not just an outpost up here by ourselves, but we are part of a massive amazing apostolic vision and uh, you've heard us talk about it 
but I really encourage you to go sometime. It's amazing. All right, let's just pray. Uh, Crystal Rappi, can you pray? Can you also pray for just the vision? And Father, we just thank you tonight, God, for what you're going to do, God, that uh, those that plant their seed, God, will receive a harvest, a harvest of soul saved. God, their whole family will be saved, God. God, as they just plant the seed, oh God, of faith and believe, God, God, to see people saved, God, a seed of righteousness. God, we thank you for the vision of KC, God, that is continue to grow, continue to, to move, God, beyond just the 12, 12, 12, God. God, but we continue to see more people, God, in leadership, more people, God, planted, God, in ministries, and more people fulfilling the destiny, the calling, the purpose that you have planned for their lives. And I thank you, God, for what you're going to do, Lord God, as we give tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm in a fight, not physical. I'm in a war, but not with this world. You are the light that's beautiful. I want more. I want all that's yours. Oh, joy unspeakable that won't go away. Just enough strength to live for the day. So I'll never have to worry what tomorrow will bring. My faith is on solid rock. I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on joy unspeakable, joy unspeakable that won't go away. Just enough strength to live for the day so I'll never have to worry what tomorrow will bring. My faith is on solid rock. I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. I am counting on, I am counting on God. Amen. And I'm not going to do a, a big teaching on the tithe, but the tithe belongs to the Lord. The 10%, if you want to tithe tonight, you can just, we're just going to go right, go, go for it. Amen. If you need an envelope, lift your hand up again. And we're going to have special music, I think, for the offering here. Everybody knows Bo. This is Bo Haggerty. Anointed young woman of God. Amen. Lord, we... Um, everybody ready to give? Y'all ready? Yay. Yes? No? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, the tithe. We thank you that it, it is such a great privilege to be in covenant with you. Lord, I ask that as your people give tonight, God, that you would pour open the windows of heaven and meet every need that they have. And that for those who have not joined the great adventure of tithing, that you would help them to get on board in Jesus' name. Amen.
Start now. Start declaring that. Because that's what the Word of God says. Um, and I'm going to mess with these flowers unless I put them somewhere. Here we go. Uh, you didn't know what... So, but anyway, um, I'm thankful for all that God is doing in all of our, our lives and what He's doing in our household. I'm also thankful for the opportunity to, to minister tonight. Um, go ahead and take your Bibles and let's stand and uh, turn to Second Samuel. The book of Second Samuel. I was told by the sound booth that they're not sure how long this lapel mic will last, so if it goes out, I'll grab the handheld. Uh, we'll be fine. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And we're going to read verse 11 and 12 before I get into the message. Everybody there? Almost? Okay, still here's some pages. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. And after him was Shema, or Shama, the son of Agi, the Herodite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, verse 12. But he, Shama, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the truth that Your Word is. I thank You for the revelation that You bring to us, Lord God. Your Word has been revealed to us in the, in the written form that we have. But Lord, when we read it, when we ingest it, when we make it part of our everyday lives, Lord God, it, it, You bring revelation to even the words on the page. And I thank You for that. And so Lord, tonight, uh, as, as I share what You've laid on my heart, I ask, Lord God, that You bring revelation. Bring revelation to Your Word. Bring revelation to our spirit. Revelation to our heart. And I thank You and I praise You in Your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I know I say that a lot. I think every time I preach I always say this is one of my favorite passages. Uh, but I really enjoy the Bible. I really enjoy the truth that's found there. I really enjoy reading it and allowing God to make it come alive to me. Um, I, I just I really like that. Um, and this particular passage, although only a couple of verses, are very powerful verses and teach us a very powerful lesson. And so we're going to look at that tonight. But I want to make a statement tonight. I like beans. I like beans. I don't know if you do or not. Um, my youngest children love beans. Beans and rice, rice and this, beans, you name it, we have beans. In fact, we've had more beans in the last... Uh, Probably a year and a half, uh, the two years than we've ever had in our entire lives. But have you ever thought how many different varieties of beans there are? Well, if you have, great. If you haven't, I'm going to give you just a few because the list is kind of long. But there are, there are different kinds of beans. There are red beans that you make red beans and rice with. There are kidney beans, which although they're red, they are different than red beans. There are pork and beans. Great Northern White Beans. There are Green Beans. There are Wax Beans. There are Jelly Beans. Thank you, you're correct. There are Black Beans. There are Refried Beans. There are Pole Beans. There are Pinto Beans. There are Mexican Jumping Beans. There are Garbanzo Beans. There are Boston Baked Beans. And when it comes to making meals out of beans, you can make three bean salad. You can make ham and bean soup. You can make beanie weenies, uh, and on and on. 
And even in our terminology, sometimes we refer, we use the word bean in, in referring to certain things. Bean counters. Those are accountants, but sometimes they're called bean counters. In baseball, there's the old bean ball. Uh, when someone is said to be very smart or have made a very smart statement, we say that's using the old bean. Um, so um, <laughs> there's a lot, and on and on and on we could go. But God's Word even has a passage that talks about beans. And in this case, a form of beans, lentils. And we just read it. We just read it. And again, it's one of my favorite passages in the Word of God. Now we all know that King David was a great leader of men. And he combined in himself those qualities of bravery, compassion, and integrity that made other men want to rally to his cause. The Bible tells us that within the army of Israel and his army of soldiers, there were 30 warriors who might today, in today's terms be called David's special forces. These men were the best of the best, the strongest of the strong, the bravest of the brave, the ones who wouldn't flinch under fire the men on whom David and the nation of Israel knew they could depend if you were, they were ever surrounded by the enemy. To put it in a context that might seem a little more familiar to, to us today, uh, these guys were like Rambo or Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris or any one of the other action heroes that Hollywood portrays out there right now. These were David's go-to guys when things got tough. And 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, excuse me, chapter 23, lists their names. But I won't take time to read all their names because there's 30 of them. But above the 30, there were three. These were the three soldiers who were the leaders of the 30. In all of Israel, you couldn't find better men than these men called the three. One man was named Josheb Bashabeth, another was Eleazar, and the third was named Shammah. Each man had risen to fame among Israel by virtue of great victories won against overwhelming odds. And tonight we're going to talk about the third man of the three, Shammah. The record in the text, though very brief, is an amazing story. In fact, I want to read it again. Verse 11, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of beans. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he, Shammah, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now at first glance of this text, fighting the Philistines in the middle of a bean field doesn't really seem to like rank up there with one of those leading acts of, of you know, uh, storming the beach uh, that the military has done or taking Iwo Jima in some of our own American history, doesn't rank up there. But what was so significant about this encounter in the bean field? Was it something about Shama? Was it something about the bean field? Or was it something else? Well, actually, I think it was all three. I think there was significance in all three of those. Significance in the bean field and what it represents. Significance in Shama and who he represents. And significance in an unknown or unseen factor that plays a huge part in the story tonight. And we're going to look at those. Not only are we going to look at those three, but in the way that we're going to look at those three, I want to give you five thoughts from this passage that can help us begin to, in our own lives, stand firm and tell the enemy, not one more bean. In fact, why don't you say that? Not 
one more beam. Tonight, we're gonna, I'm going to show you what I think are five key things from this passage that will help us be able to say that and declare that over our lives. The first, the first thought or first point that I want to share with you tonight is Satan is active in taking ground. If you're, t- if you're, if you're taking notes, this is point number one. Satan is active in taking ground. Again, in verse 11, it says, The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. Now, who were the Philistines? They were the bad boys of the Old Testament. They were always messing with God's people. Whenever the Philistines came around, they were always looking for a way to mess with Israel. They hated Israel. Any opportunity they had to come in and, and, and take them over, any opportunity they had to come and, and, and fight against them and try to defeat them, they would certainly try. And many times, Israel let them. Many times, because of what Israel did, because of their sin, because of their neglect, because of their unwillingness to follow what God commanded, they opened the door for the Philistines to come in and cause them problems. Now, the Word of God tells you and I that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He sometimes disguises himself as an angel of light. The Word of God also says he's like a roaring lion going around looking for opportunities to mess with God's people, looking for opportunities to try to cause us problems, just like the Philistines. See, tonight, church, we need to make sure we understand that we're aware. You know, the Bible says be sober, be vigilant. I don't, we try not to use this word simply because of the connotation of it, but basically in today's vernacular, that passage where it says be sober, be vigilant, God's trying to tell us don't be stupid. Be aware of what's going on around us. Be aware that Satan is active in taking ground from you and I. And we need to make sure of that. There is an enemy out there who is after us and after what we have. He is after what we have. See, when, when Satan exalted himself against the knowledge of the Most High, his pride was saying, I am just as good or greater than God. And God said, no, I don't think so. And we know the story. He was cast out of heaven. Well, obviously, at that point, Lucifer, Satan, realized he couldn't take God head on. So he would go after the very next thing, the thing that was so close to God's heart. He would spend all his time, all his energy, all his power that he has in going after the thing that would hurt God the most. And that's you and I. Because we are the highest of God's creation. God loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah tells us. God loves us with an unending, undying love. The greatest love there is is the love that God has for His created mankind. And the enemy knows that. And so he knows that the best way he can hurt God, the best way he can attack God, is to go after you and I. So church, we need to be aware. If we're, gonna, if we're going to establish in our lives that we are not going to let the enemy have one more being, then the first thing we have to be aware of is he is actively trying to take it. He is actively trying to take what you and I have. The field in this story. This was Israel's land. Those were their beans. It didn't belong to the Philistines. And yet, this passage tells us that the Philistines sent a troop. Now, I'm not for sure how many is in a troop, but I would guess there's at least 40, maybe more. So there's a, a troop of soldiers, Philistine soldiers, that go and 
see this field of beans, this field of lentils, which was a staple of food supply for the nation of Israel. And they encamp in the middle of that field. It wasn't theirs, but they went and staked a claim to it. And it's interesting that the nation of Israel, it says the people fled before the Philistines. So what's your ground, church? What's your beans? What has God given to you? Your home? Your marriage? Your children? Your business? Your finances? Your health? Yes, 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 and yes to all of those. Those are all yours. Gifts from God. Everything we have comes from our Father. Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father, with whom there is no shadow of turning. There's no partiality. It's all ours. That's our field. That's our beans. But see, here's the problem. When God's people give way to the enemy, it actually makes it easier for Him to take our beans. That's what the nation of Israel was doing in this story. They were giving way. The Philistines sent a troop, not the whole army, just a troop. And they took that field, and the people ran away and made it very easy for them to come in. We need to make sure, church, we don't make it easy for the enemy to come and take our stuff. And if he has taken our stuff, it's time to take our stuff back in the name of Jesus. It's time to take our beans back. It's time to say, not one more bean, devil. So number one, Satan is active in taking ground. Thought number two from this passage, Christians are giving up ground. I just, I just briefly touched on that. They decided to flee rather than fight. Why? Well, there's probably several different reasons we could list, but the one, main one I want to hit tonight is probably fear. Fear and intimidation. We're afraid. Maybe also a little bit of indifference. Well, it's only a bean field. I can go plant more beans. I can go get more land. I can go, I can go get this and that. And, and just like the nation of Israel, we give up, unfortunately. See, church, we need to realize tonight we can't strike a bargain with the enemy. That's good. If I said it, that's, even if I said it, that's good. We can't strike a bargain with the enemy. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't play fair. And, you know, that old saying, if, if I don't mess with the devil, he won't mess with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't try to believe that. Don't try to believe that. In fact, in fact, I love what Pastor even shared this morning about his uh, standing up and preaching in Carl's Jr. The more the enemy messes with you, the more you need to mess with him. The more you need to take the attack to him. We can't wait for the right moment or the right circumstances to stand and fight. He's taking stuff from us, and well, when I'm feeling a little better, well, when I have more faith, well, when, when I get more, you know, when, when a pastor, when pastor comes and lays hands on me, then it'll be better. No, 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 no. We need to stand and fight. We need to stop giving up ground to the enemy. We need to stop fleeing before him, and we need to stand and fight. We can't give up one square inch of the ground that God has given us. Not one square inch. It's all ours. Every promise in the book is mine. All God's promises, the Word of God says, are yes and amen. He sends forth His Word to fulfill its purpose in us. And if God has declared over us that our family is blessed, our home is blessed, our business is blessed, our health is blessed, our finances are blessed, every aspect of our life is blessed, if God's Word is declared that, then we can't say, well, I got 
Seven out of those eight. So I'm doing pretty good. Uh Uh-uh. God wants every area of our life to be blessed. And He wants you and I, brothers and sisters, to begin to stand and fight if need be. And guess what? We need to stand and fight against the enemy who's trying to take it from us. We can't give up one more beam. Shammah decided that for himself. Verse 12, But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. See, most of the army had fled. The area was infested with Philistines. And even the terrain of that, of that bean field favored the enemy. I mean, you've seen in the Palmer Flats and you've seen the Palmer, Palmer um, uh, crop fields and things. It's not like you've got any place, if you position yourself in the middle of the bean field to fight the enemy, it's not like you've got some place to run and hide or, you know, put your back against the wall and that way there's no, you'll only get the attack coming from the front. So even, even the, 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 the terrain favored the enemy. But Shammah said no. Why did Shammah take a stand against the Philistines when everything he could see, hear, and touch was clearly against him? Point number three. Because those fields are worth defending. The fields are worth defending. What God has given you, the promises God has made over you, the things that God has declared over you, what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, it is worth defending. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He didn't shed His blood. He didn't go through what He went through. He didn't face the temptation that He faced. He didn't fast 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness for us to go, oh well, I'll fight another day. The field that God has given us and all that applies, is worth defending. And Shammah knew that. The promises of God are worth defending. What God has placed in our hand is are precious. Those are precious things from God. Our children are precious gifts from God. Our marriage is a precious, precious, precious union and, and sanction from the throne room of God. We've come too far, church. We've fought too hard in the past. We've prayed too long and too hard and we've sacrificed to the point of hurt to give up and lay down now. Because what God has given us is worth defending. And I think there's one more thing that Shammah realized. I think Shammah stood and fought because he knew that if he gave up the bean field, he'd have to fight the Philistines later anyway. The more territory, listen to me church, the more territory you give up now, the more you're going to have to take back later. Somewhere along the line, we have to stop retreating. You know, when I was coming up in... Y'all are, y'all are, y'all are amening me good, so y'all are helping me preach. I appreciate it. Some, when I was coming up in, in church and, and growing up in church, I used to, to hear the passage, you know, where, where Peter declares, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, on this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, I used to think incorrectly that that meant... God was going to build His church on this rock and hell wouldn't be able to come against it. But Jesus didn't say hell won't be able to prevail against it. He said the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. So understand this, church. When's the last time you ever saw gates loose themselves from the foundation of the walls and go marching out into battle to take on the enemy? That's not what gates do. Gates are there to fortify the city to prevent the enemy that's marching against it. So do we understand what Jesus was really saying? 
on this rock of revelation that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the onslaught of the church that will begin to march against the forces of hell. Amen. That's good. I like that. Somewhere along the line, we've got to stop retreating. Sooner or later, we've got to join the battle. Why not now? You see, if the enemy, if we allow the enemy to take the bean field, pretty soon they'll go after the barley. If they take the barley, then soon they'll take the corn. If they take the corn, they'll come after the sheep. And once they have the sheep, they'll slaughter the cattle. See, the Philistines in in the Old Testament, they were not nice people. They were mean. They would come in and wipe out. They would come in and lay siege to the land, cut off the food supply, starve the people out, and then go in and just wipe them out. The devil wants to do the same thing to you and I, church. And it's time we start saying, not one more bean. It's time that we start taking the attack back to the enemy. Our enemy's the same way. All it takes, church, is one toehold. Why does the Word of God tell us, give no place to the devil? Because all it takes is cracking the door just a little bit. Let the, you know, it's like, it's like that, those, those door-to-door salesmen. Door-to-door salesmen who are obnoxious but end up becoming successful learn that when they knock, and we don't have them as much anymore. We have telemarketers. But we used to have door-to-door salesmen a lot more than we do now. But they knock on the door. You open the door. They start to sell you something. And you say, no thanks. And you go to shut the door. And they stick their foot because they can get one more word in, two more words in. Maybe they can say something that will hook you to where you'll open the door and let them in. so they can try to sell what they're pushing. The devil does the same thing. He's constantly, constantly, constantly looking for an opening, looking looking for a crack in the door, looking for a place in the foundation that's not quite as strong as it used to be, looking for some area of our life that he can come and attack against us because if he can get one small toehold, if he can get one small compromise, one moment of looking the other way, before we know it, our field is infested. And we're in for a fight. The field's worth defending, but we've got to start defending it. That's what Shama did. Instead of running, he decided to fight back. Number four, the Lord wants Christians to hold their ground. From a worldly point of view, what Shama did was foolish at best. He dared stand his ground amid the challenges from every side. He didn't compromise with the enemy. He didn't retreat from them. He didn't set up a a peace talk to try to come to a compromise to help iron out the differences between the Israelites and the Philistines. You know, can we all just love one another? Can we all, and I'm meddling, but let me meddle. Can we all coexist, if you've seen that bumper sticker? Can we not all just get along? Sure we can, as long as we understand that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no other way, no other name under heaven whereby we may be must be, might be, can be, or will be saved, except His name. That's free. He stood His ground, striking down the attacks of the enemy, and the Lord brought about a great victory in that bean field. Now, I have a strange imagination sometimes, and I I, I don't know if I've ever shared it with you, but I've shared it before when I was preaching. I don't know that God's going to give me this, but when I get to heaven, it would be awesome for me that if, if, if God had a giant projection system in heaven and a library full of all these stories so that I could pull out the DVD of this battle and pop it in and watch it. Because my imagination takes me all kind of places when I read this story. But this is how I imagine this went down. 
I don't know if this particular bean field was generationally passed down, thank you, uh, from, from Shama's family. I don't know if this bean field particularly belonged to him or not. But even if it didn't, here's what I think happened. Shama, one of the mighty three, one of the, the special forces of David, had seen, perhaps, had seen and at least had heard of what David did when he went down to the battle when he was a small boy. And he went down, David went down to the battle where Goliath was and heard all that Goliath was saying, and David said, is there not a cause? Why are we standing around? Why aren't we doing something about it? So I believe Shama coming up in the ranks of the army, or maybe he was older than David and was there and witnessed this shepherd boy do what he did. Whatever it was, I believe Shama something started stirring up in Shama. I believe he's sitting there watching, and he sees you know the, the people of Israel. They go out to the bean field to start picking their lentils. And this troop that's stationed out there, you know, the troop commander says, hey, go run those Israelites off. So the Philistines start heading that way, and the Israelites run off. And those, so they don't get the food. And I think, I think finally Shama looked at that and something just started, something started welling up inside him. Something started just really getting him. I think he started remembering all the promises of God that God said, you will inherit this land. You will dwell in houses you didn't build. You'll eat of crops that you didn't plant. I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's yours. And all you've got to do is take it. All you've got to do is follow me and obey me. And I believe that began welling up in Shama to the point that he looked around and he didn't see anybody else. And he's standing all by himself. And he said, that's it. Not one more bean. Those are our beans. Those are our lentils. That belongs to me. I'm not letting the devil take it. I'm not letting the enemy take it anymore and I'm going to go do something about it. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us what he fought with. But what it does say is he positioned himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So use your imagination. What do you find? What, do you find, what, are, what tools, do, or, or, uh, yeah, tools do farmers use? Well, maybe a rake, maybe a shovel, maybe a, uh, maybe a, a sickle. Who knows what he picked up? But may, and maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was just his own, own two hands. But he went and stood. And I can imagine the Philistines. Look at that crazy Israelite. Why didn't he run off like the rest of them? Well, he, he, the boy must be you know, missing a few there. Um, so the, the commander probably said, all right, you and you and you, go run him off. Well, a little surprise for those three that that commander sent. Because they go out... And Shama's not moving. He's not running. And I can imagine as they get a, little, get a little closer, because the Bible lists Shama as one of David's mighty men, the number, one of the three, as I've already said. I don't know what he looked like. Maybe he was huge. Maybe he wasn't. It doesn't really matter. There was an anointing on his life. And when the enemy begins to see the anointing on your life and my life, he gets scared. But he still tries to bluff us. He still tries to make us run. He still tries to make us give in to fear. So I can imagine those, those Philistines came up to Shaman. He's just standing there. He's going to defend his field. He's going to defend his beans. He's not going to let the enemy take one more. And he's standing there. And they probably start saying, calling him names and, and, and saying all kind of things about him and talking about his family and, and, and all kind of stuff. And maybe one of them takes a swing, and that's all it takes. And boom, three Philistines are dead. Well, that begins to let the commander of the troop know, hmm, we got an Israelite with a little spunk. We're going to have to send more than three boys after him. So he says, all right, you ten over there. Go get him. And I don't know how this happened. I'm just, this is me. 
But this is what I see. But by the end of the, by the, end of the fight, there's not a single Philistine left. Because the Word of God says he defended the field and he killed all the Philistines. And the Lord gave him a great victory. It's time we take a stand. It's time we hold our ground. It's time we defend what God has given us. Not one more being, church. Point number five. Point number five. When we stand with God, we can be assured of divine help. Let me say that again. When we take a stand with God, we can be assured of divine help. It has always been that way for the people of God. Victory comes when we stand in His name. Victory comes when we stand in His name. See, there's a perfect balance between our part and God's part. What Shama did required courage, faithfulness, and even initiative. See, you can be a farmer, and you can have a field that doesn't have anything growing in it, and you can want sweet taters, you can want the biggest crop of sweet taters you want. You can want the sweetest taste in sweet taters you want. You can want the kind that are going to win the prize at the fair for the big ones. But if you never plow the ground, if you never pull out the rocks and the stumps out of the field, if you never pull the weeds out, if you never do everything that is your part as the farmer, you can want, wish, hope, and pray that it happens all you want and it ain't going to happen. But see, if, we do all our, if, if the farmer does all his part, then he's got to depend on God to do his part. Well, what part is God's part? God brings the rain. Because you and I can't control the rain. God brings the sunshine. And God causes the, the reaction of those seeds that are in the ground to bring forth the fruit that they're, desire, they're designed to bring forth. See, there's a balance between what we do and what God does. But when we do our part, we just take a stand. Paul said, when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. But you better stand fully clothed in the full armor of God. Teenagers used to like this statement. We've got a lot of Christians that run around um, that, are, that are spiritual streakers because the only thing they got is the helmet of salvation. They're saved, but they haven't, taken up, they haven't taken up the shield of faith. They haven't girded their loins with the belt of truth. They haven't shod their feet with the peace of the gospel. They haven't even drawn the sword. They're just spiritual streakers. They're saved, and I call it saved just enough to be miserable. Because you're standing there trying to stand with just your helmet on. So when we take a stand with God, we can be rest assured that God will give us the victory. What Shema did required courage, faithfulness, and initiative. Courage. He took a stand in the middle of the field when nobody else was with him. Faithfulness. He defended it because he knew it was what God had given him. An initiative. He didn't just try to, he didn't just try to scare them off. He struck the Philistines down. He cut off their heads or stomped them in the ground or beat them to a pulp or whatever he did because he killed all of them. Then came the victory and the Lord brought about a great victory. The victory didn't come until Shama said, my field, my beans, enemy, you can't have another one. Not one more bean. I don't care how many you've taken. I don't care how fat you've gotten off my beans. You're not getting another bite. You're not taking another bean. And when he did that, God brought about the victory. One man, the difference was one man refused to run away. One man turned the tide of battle, and through him, God brought that victory. What's the hardest part of winning a victory or a battle like that? Having courage to take a stand in the middle of your field. If we can do that, church, 
If we, Pastor preached on it this morning, boldness. If we can have boldness, if we can have courage to take a stand in the middle of, of, of the attack of what the enemy is trying to take from us, the rest is easy. It may not look easy, may not sound easy, may not feel easy, but the Word says, when we stand, God does the rest. The hard part's not running away. And you see, church, God is more than willing to help us out. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards Him. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. Why? So that God can show... He's looking for opportunities to show Himself strong. He's looking for people that will be willing to stand and say, Devil, you've run roughshod over my family. No more. Devil, you are messing with my marriage. No more. Devil, you are, you've got your hands all in my finances. No more. Devil, you've, got, you, you've brought sickness upon me. No more. And when God finds... His, his followers, His children that are willing to make that stand, then He wants to show Himself strong. He wants to show Himself powerful. He wants to show Himself mighty. And He does it through the victories that He brings about in my life and in your life. So let's review those five points again in this message about a bean field. Satan is actively taking ground. We, can't, we can never, ever forget that. And He will do so until we go to glory. And you know, God knows the times and seasons. God knows when He's going to say, it's all done. Gabriel, blow that horn. Jesus, go, my son, go mount up on that white horse and go, go get him. God knows that. But you know what? The enemy knows it's coming closer. So he's stepping up the attack. Don't be foolish, church. Be sober. Be vigilant. Wake up. Be aware of what the enemy is doing. Stop giving up ground. Because Christians, point number two, Christians are giving up ground, deciding to flee rather than stand and fight. Let's not do that anymore. Because the fields, number three, that God has given us, the things God has given us, they are worth defending. Number four, the Lord wants Christians to hold their ground, to stand their ground. And when we stand with God, number five, we can be assured of divine help. I haven't preached long tonight, and that's okay. God can, do, God can do much with two verses in the Bible. God can do much with one phrase in the Bible. But as I close tonight, I want to I share how this personally came about in my life. Some of you were here, um, it was on a Tuesday night, a couple, three weeks ago or whatever. Um, I don't remember the exact time, but Jan shared some things about um, some victories that God brought about in, in our home and in our marriage. But I want to share a little bit about how this passage of Scripture and this, this ability to tell the enemy not one more bean, how, how that became so real and so personal in my life. Some of you know, maybe, I don't know any of you that maybe really know the full story, but I, I'm a preacher's kid. Um, as far as I know, I'm at least a second generation, if not a third generation preacher. My dad was a pastor of a Christian Missionary Alliance church, I was born in Savannah, Georgia. He was pastoring the Christian Missionary Alliance Church in Savannah, Georgia. I was, I'm the youngest of four. I have two older brothers and an older sister. We were all being raised as preacher's kids. When I turned five, my father walked out on my family. 
turned his back on God? Well, how, well, how do you know that? Well, how can you? Trust me. You walk away from your family, you're turning your back on God. And if you don't agree with that, we'll talk personally. My father walked out. I have very few memories. The memories I have, I remember as a at least five or younger little boy standing up on the platform of my dad's church singing the songs that we sang that Sunday morning in children's church because I was the preacher's son, the youngest, and I got to do things like that. Privileges. I remember some of those, but I remember very little about my father. When I was ten years old, I called him because I never saw him from the day he walked out. When I was ten years old, I picked up the phone and called him and asked, could I come see him? And he said, no, that wouldn't be possible. And that's the last words I ever heard from him at the age of ten. Through the rest of my, uh, of my life, growing up, the first stepfather I had, and I'm not sharing this to brag, I'm not sharing this to, to pull at your heartstrings, I'm sharing this so that when we get to the end you'll see how God made this passage and this principle of standing and saying, not anymore, is very real in somebody, somebody's life that you know, me. My first stepfather died three months after he and my mom were married, died of cancer. My next stepfather was an alcoholic who physically abused me. My fourth stepfather I got when I was 12 years old. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, by the time he came into my life, I was done with dads. To me, dads were worthless. He was a very godly man who loved me, who did his very best to show me his love by disciplining, disciplining me when I needed it, even though I didn't like it caring for me, loving me. And I eventually came to acknowledge and recognize his love for me as a very godly man who cared about me. But I, but I, I, I don't want to get too bogged down, but that's what I grew up in. At the age of 13, when I needed God the most, even though I didn't realize it, God had the youth group at, the, at my aunt's church reach out to me. And I, I, like a sponge, soaked that up. Because I was hurting. I was confused. I didn't understand about fathers. I didn't understand about life. I had faced abuse. I had faced all kinds of stuff. And here was a group of teenagers and their leaders that said, hey, we want you to be a part. And they went out of their way. Because we didn't live close to the church, my aunt's church. We lived 45-minute drive one way. And those youth leaders drove out to my house until I was old enough to get my driver's license and picked me up for youth activities and would bring me home, would pick me up for Sunday night church if my mom didn't want to go. And that church and that youth group became my life. I rededicated my life to the Lord. I committed to Him. At the age of 16 at youth camp, God said, I want to use you. And I said, God, I want to be used. He said, I want to, I'm calling you in the ministry. And I said, I accept that call. He said, okay, one thing you've got to do. And I said, what's that, Lord? And he said, you've got to forgive your dad. And I said, nope, can't do it. Because I blamed him. Every time I got thrown across the room by an alcoholic stepfather, I blamed my dad. 
Every time I came home to an empty house in fourth grade because my mom was working three jobs and my sister was off doing whatever she was doing. And I love my sister. I don't mean it like that. I just didn't know what she was doing in fourth grade. Every time I came home to an empty house, I blamed my dad. And so here's God saying, you want me to use you? You want to say yes to me? You want to answer my call? Forgive your dad. And I said, I can't do it. If that's what it's going to take to follow you and and answer this call to be in the ministry, then God, I guess I won't be in the ministry. Because I can't do it. Now that was at youth camp, and youth camp can be pretty intense. And you can have a lot of uh, really intense God moments. And God got a hold of my heart, and he began to soften my heart, and he began to, to really deal with me in a loving way. And I finally said, okay, Lord. So at the end of that week, I went home and I wrote my dad an eight-page letter. I poured it out to him. Told him all the times I hated him. Told him how I'd hated him so much. And then the second half of the letter was, but Dad, I forgive you. Dad, I don't know what you were dealing with that caused you to do. And I'm 16. This was wisdom from the Lord. This wasn't me. This wasn't my feelings. This was anointed from the Holy Spirit. Dad, I don't know what caused you to do what you did. I don't know what demons you were facing. I don't know what was from your past that was causing. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I forgive you. I love you. We may never have any relationship, but we love you. And God has called me. I love you. And God has called me in the ministry. And he has asked me to forgive you. And with everything that's within me, I forgive you. And I ask you to forgive me for hating you all these years. So I did that. Mailed it to him. As far as I know, he got it. Never got a response. So I graduated from from high school. Knew God had called me. Uh, I have it in a Bible um, that's one of my older Bibles. Um, The date and time that God said go to CBC. I didn't know what CBC was. But God spoke that to me. CBC stands for Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. So I made plans and I went off to Central Bible College. There I met Jan. We got married and we began our ministry. But you know the one thing that I never did? I never learned to accept God as my Heavenly Father. I talked to Jesus all day long. But, you know, God, the Heavenly Father, Earthly Father, they were too close. That Father word was too close. And as a result, and I didn't know a lot about generational curses, but as a result... I was on the road to repeating what my father did. And Jan shared some of that when she shared how God restored our marriage at a time when we needed him to do a miracle. Because I I followed in the steps of my father. I walked away. Partly because I had never settled everything with God as my heavenly father. Partly because I was serving the church and serving Jesus out of a sense of duty. It had become... Church had become my life, but even though I loved Jesus, He hadn't become my life. So I was dealing with secret sins. I was dealing with secret addictions. Because when you're, when you're in the fourth grade and you're a latchkey kid and you come home and there's nobody there watching out for you, you can bet the enemy is looking for chinks in the foundation. He's going to bring neighbors who are into pornography along your way in the fourth grade. He's going to let things happen in your life. And that's what happened in mine. And I've shared it before. I had my Damascus Road experience where I met God because under the power of the Holy Spirit, God gave me, Jesus gave me a vision. And in that vision, Jesus came to me and he said, Barry, I want to introduce you to somebody. 
And I said, okay. Because God was putting our home and our marriage back together. And in my vision, Jesus took me to not a great, shining, radiant throne, but just a simple, overstuffed chair. And sitting on that chair was God, my Heavenly Father. And Jesus said, I want to introduce you to your Father, your true Father, your real Father, who has watched over you and who has cared for you when no one else did. And I resisted in my vision at first. And Jesus said, you've trusted me before, trust me now. He's a good dad. And in my vision, I went to him. And he reached out his arms and he picked me up. And as a man, he put me on his lap. And I cried. And God said, I'm so sorry. What happened to you was not what I had planned. And I'm so sorry that it's taken us this long to get to know each other. And I don't know how long I was out on the floor. I just know that the entire time I was, I was in the arms of my Heavenly Father, sitting on His lap, crying my eyes out. And when I got up off the floor, church, I was not the same person who went down on that floor. All was forgiven, all was restored. I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, He is my Heavenly Father, and I am His child, and He is proud of me. And He loves me. And in that same time period in my life, one day when we were praying around the altars, the Lord said, look at your son, Zach. And he was, I don't know how old he was, six or seven. And God said, Barry, because you've given me an opportunity to be real in your life, and as long as you'll stand against the devil, it ends here. Not one more beam." that generational pattern that was passed down to you from your father that was possibly passed down to him from his father will be cut off and you will not see it repeated in the life of your children. Not one more being. So you know what I determined to do, church, from then on? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what other people think. I don't care if I'm in the ministry. I don't care if I ever preach again. I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to stand and take back and make sure that the enemy takes not one more beam when it comes to my family. And I tell that to share this with you. You can do the same. God is no respecter of persons. Whatever it is in your life that the enemy is messing with you about, tonight, tonight, You can make a determination. No more. No more. No more. That song that my daughter sang, and and Bo, would you come to the keyboard? That song that my daughter sang says, I cannot stay silent and I cannot stand still. This will bring revival as long as I am filled. When you get filled with the love of Jesus Christ, when you get filled with the love of the Heavenly Father, when you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up then you can stand and see the enemy be the one that has to flee or see the enemy defeated at your feet. Stand, if you would, please. As Bo plays, I want to do two things. The first thing I want to do is ask everybody to bow your head. Because I know it's the practice of this house and it's... I want it to always be my practice when I get to share 
the message from the Word of God. I want to make sure there's no one here within the sound of my voice or online listening. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're within the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, you need to allow yourself to be reintroduced to Him and your Heavenly Father, would you lift your hand so I can pray for you and pray with you? Are there any here tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then let's do this together as a congregation so that we can all make sure that uh, reaffirm our commitment to the Lord, reaffirm our stand that we are the redeemed, that we will serve Jesus. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank You for loving me and dying on the cross and shedding Your blood for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, when I don't serve You, when I sin. Wash me Cleanse me. Make me clean. Let me know how much You love me. Thank You, Jesus, for saving me. In Your name, Amen. Alright. Now here's how I want to do this. I want to pray for anybody that you need prayer for. My wife will join me. We'll pray. Any, any couples, if you need prayer, we're not going to make it long unless the Lord directs us. But here's what we're going to pray. In your life, if something's going on in your life, not one more being. That's what I'm going to pray. And when I pray that, you receive that by faith and see what God does. But if you want prayer for something, come on down front here. And if you don't need prayer for something specific, we're going to open the altars on both sides for you just to come and spend some time with the Lord. But if you want prayer for something specific, come stand here in the middle. And the altars are open on both sides if you want to come and seek the Lord on behalf of, of something else or you want to come and seek the Lord just spend time in His presence then you can do that. Hallelujah. Sing, play.